Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. The Lord Jesus Christ today, I just want to say thank you for being here. And uh, Joshua, we thank your worship team. Our worship team just does a great job, don't they? I actually, uh, I'd come walking in and they were doing some practice and they were doing some things and I just got lost in worship and also I thought Joshua had a few more songs to go because he was practicing different songs and so I was ready uh, for the hoedown that Joshua was going <laughs> to do. And, uh, but we really celebrate, we celebrate life. So let us pray and let me pray for us. Lord, all across the earth, people are gathering to celebrate you, to celebrate your resurrection, to celebrate your life, your love, to celebrate the gift of being a part of your family through the work, through the life, through the love of your son, Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is a joy to come together to spend time in your word, to listen to you. And Lord, I want to ask you, by the power of your spirit, would you come and would you minister to us? I pray that you would back up the words of people in conversations, in Bible studies, in messages, in sharing online. However the, the sharing takes place, would you back up our human words with your power, with the presence of your Holy Spirit, and with the pinpoint accuracy of the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we ask that we would actually hear from you this morning, that Lord, that we would experience you as the good shepherd, the author of life and light. Lord, again, from this place in Northwest Houston, we join with the echo, we join with the celebration, we, we join with the worship around your throne, and we honor you, we exalt you, we glorify you, and we thank you. We thank you for letting us be a part of what you're doing in the earth today, in this time in history. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to ask people around the world, what's the biggest day for Christians, what do you think that they would say? If you ask people around the world, what is the biggest day for Christians? Most people would say Christmas, right? Most people would think about that. I know growing up as a young person, uh, Christmas was super important. Frank and I were talking about before the service, when we were little, it took about three years to get to Christmas. It, it took so long, you know, when you're a little person. But now, as we've grown older, and Frank is much older than I, but as... <laughs> As we grow older in the Lord, Christmas comes about once every 10 days. It's just, it's just amazingly fast. But that's that time that we give gifts to one another. That's that time that we celebrate and tell the story of Christ the Lord. We celebrate that to us a son is given, to us a child has been born. But the true answer to the question, what's the biggest day for Christians across the earth, the true answer, the best answer is that it is Easter because without Easter, there would be no Christmas. And so because of Jesus Christ's victory over death, 
because of Jesus fulfilling the word of his father and fulfilling the scriptures. Jesus fulfilled everything that was written about him and he kept his promise and he kept his word. Because of that, we have a Christmas to celebrate. We can celebrate his coming. We can celebrate his first coming. And this one is now seated at the right hand of the heavenly father and he's coming back again. And he's gonna finish what he started and it's not like he's gone off and he has nothing else to do. But right now, Jesus is on mission in the earth, accomplishing the will of God. The Father said in Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 7, it says, of the expansion of his kingdom, there will be no end because the zeal of the Lord Almighty will make it happen. I mean, it, you think about how the enemy and how human beings have tried to snuff out the work of God throughout history and tried to stop the advance of the kingdom of God. And sometimes we wonder, is anything happening? I want you to know that the scripture promises and the Lord right now is backing up his agenda and his plan. There is no end to the expansion of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're actually a part of that. Each generation has the opportunity to share the good news, to live the good news, to walk in the light of the power and the presence and the glory of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're here today to celebrate. We're here today to celebrate this news, this reality in the Lord. I wanna read the resurrection story and I wanna read it from John chapter 20. So would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. I wanna read the resurrection story of the Lord Jesus Christ. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the, stri the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and did what Simon Peter would do, which is go straight into the tomb, right? Isn't that like Peter? So John is saying, I beat him there, but I didn't go in. But man, Peter made a beeline for the tomb. And then Simon Peter who was behind him, arrived and went in the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Then he said to her, Mary. She turned toward him, and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have yet to return to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord, and he told them everything that he told her. So that first Easter morning, going to take care of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, because they'd not had that full opportunity on the preparation day, for the, the Passover, she comes to the tomb and, and it's empty. So she runs back to the disciples and tells them and then they run and they see it and then she still stays behind. The disciples are processing. It actually says that when Jesus had told them over and over again that I am gonna suffer and die and on the third day, I'm gonna be raised. He told them, right? But that was so outside their understanding. We call it a mental model. It was so beyond what they expected that they just didn't have a category for it. And you know, you can only see what you have openness in your mind to see, right? That's why God comes and he comes and he, and he changes our minds. He changes the way we think. To repent is actually change the way you think so that you can have new possibilities, new life, and, and, and new revelation. So he comes and he changes us. And so they've had this experience. Mary is there by herself, and then Jesus comes up to her. Now, isn't it interesting that she calls him the gardener, the gardener? Now, that's pretty far off, right, from the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? He is releasing a new creation. He is tending his new world that he has birthed, and what has come out of him will never die. And so in one sense, although it, it, it didn't fit who he was as king of kings and lord of lords, but he's the one who's going to tend the garden. Remember the garden? We were supposed to rule and reign with God in the garden. We were supposed to exercise dominion with God in the garden. God walked with us, with Adam and Eve, in the garden. And so new creation, this new life, is about a new world, a new beginning, and it is just radically expanding. Now, we have heard here for years and years and years from Isaiah chapter 60 that the glory, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, thick darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness covers the people, but the glory of the Lord rises on you. What's been said here is that things are going to get darker and darker, better and better, faster and faster. So they get worse and worse, better and better, faster and faster. Now, most people can't live with that tension. So what they do is they say the world is getting worse and worse and it's just going, it's, it's a disaster. 
And then you have people that look and they say, no, it's only getting better and better. It's getting, there's all these things that the Lord is doing. But God tells us that in these times, things happen at the same time. Worse and worse, darker and darker, better and better, more light. And where does it rise? It rises on us, his people, because the Lord has risen for us. He has risen over our lives. And so Jesus is ruling and reigning, and he's not passive, he's active. He's active right now, he's moving, and he is on mission in the earth. And what a joy that we get to partner with him on his mission in our spheres of influence, not as isolated individuals, but we do it in community, and we partner with others so that people could really see light. And it actually promises us a great harvest. Oh, God is moving and working and people are coming to the Lord. Now, he, he's not moving as powerfully here, but when you read the stories of what he's doing in the nations, it's stunning. Did you know there is a church in Nigeria with over a million members? That's a big church by any definition, right? I mean, I used to think what was going on in Korea back in the 70s and, and 80s was just unbelievable, the, the late 80s, where you had hundreds of thousands in a congregation. The man in white is appearing to people in Muslim nations, and he is revealing himself to people all over the earth. And he's backing up the testimony of Christ wherever it is, and God is on the move. I bet you didn't know about the prison going on in the Texas uh, prison system, the revival going on in the prison in the Texas prison system. It's so profound that George Otis Jr., who has been documenting the moves of God in the earth, has been working on a new uh, transformation video about what's going on in the Texas prisons. Our God is touching people in profound ways. He's touching Native Americans. He's touching people in the Appalachian Hills in Kentucky and West Virginia. He's doing things that are stunning. And we're alive to get to see it. Now, according to the news, according to social media, according to the information, the world has lost its mind. And it's a mess. So, you can choose to focus on that. By the way, it's true. I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. We have lost our minds. We've lost our minds. So you can focus on that and fall and become more cynical and resigned. You can get more just, just resistant. Or you can choose to believe the good news. Blessed are those whose feet bring good news. They bring a good report. So is there bad news? Absolutely. Do I want the bad news to define who I am? The word is absolutely not. I want to go by the report of the Lord. So here's Mary, and then he calls her by name. Isn't that awesome? She is weeping. She is broken. She is hurting. And Jesus calls her name, and she recognizes the shepherd's voice, doesn't she? Mary, Mary. You know, I was nine years old when I was sitting 
in a revival meeting at Memorial Drive Baptist Church here in Houston, Texas. I was nine years old. We only lived in Houston for nine months. It was a really difficult time for me living here at that time. I've told you this story. Coming from West Texas, it seemed like it rained every day. I'm sure that wasn't the truth, but I came from a place where it rained eight inches a year. And so it rains eight inches in a minute here, you know? And so I didn't think like I ever saw the, the sun. I just, it was, it was a tough go. And being the prophet that I am, I made the statement, I will never live in Houston, Texas ever again. <laughs> and so, you know, but I had the privilege. I could have come to Christ in different West Texas towns as we moved around with the oil field chemical business that my dad was in. And my mom and dad, they took us to church. And I've told you that story. But God had it that I came to Christ in this city. That's where I knew Jesus was calling me by name. I knew he was calling me. He was inviting me. And I said yes. And as a nine-year-old, I've got to admit, I didn't have a very strong drug habit that I needed to kick. I, I hadn't recently beaten anybody up because I was too small to do that. And so, but you know, I was saved from me being the ruler of my life. I knew that I was separated from God. I became very much aware that I needed this Jesus, this righteous one, this king. And so when they invited people to respond in that service, I responded because Jesus was knocking at the door of my heart. I know Revelation 3.20, he's knocking on the door of the church. But I want you to know, he was knocking on my heart's door because he loves me. See, I think Jesus has been knocking on our heart's doors. Some of us have known Christ for a really long time. We've known this resurrected one because somehow he got our attention. Now with Mary, it was, it was an audible voice, right? Some, some of us, it was the testimony of someone else or the good news of someone else, but we responded and we acted on what we knew. And then that was just the beginning. You see, when we come into the kingdom of God, the good news that God saves us is just the start. It's the door. The door to what? An eternal lifetime of being united with Christ, growing in relationship with the Father, being a part of the Father's family, and, and I get to do this forever. You know, the Spirit of Christ that entered into my life as a nine-year-old, did you know that for eternity he's gonna live in me? And I'm gonna have advantages, you know, when, when, we're, when God's come and renewed all this stuff and we're working with him, we're not gonna have all the sin and all the brokenness and all the Facebook posts that irritate us and, and tempt us, you know? We're, we're gonna have the Holy Spirit teaching us and we're gonna be spending time with Jesus and with the Father. We're gonna be listening to the testimony. We're gonna see how God the Master Strategist structured our lives and set things in motion for decades to get us to the right place at the right time so that we could do this or that or be a part of what he was doing in his kingdom. And we're gonna worship because we're going to not take any credit because we're going to go it's all about him it's all about him so today we celebrate it's all about Jesus right it's all about Jesus what a profound king and how did he come so 
you know, you, you read the story this past week of Jesus, his triumphal entry. Last Sunday, he comes into the city. So how did he come? Did he come on a white horse? Did he come as a champion? Did he come as a king like the emperor of Rome? Because that's what kings did. They came in with their entourage, right? He came on a donkey. He came in humility. Now, the second time, he's coming the other way, right? He's coming the other way. But he came with humility. But you know what? He came as a king. And there were hosannas, and there were blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There was a recognition, and, and the Pharisees said, man, you've got to stop this. This looks like an affront to Rome and to the emperor. And what did Jesus say? He said, well, if I tell them, and if they're quiet, the rocks are going to shout out because this is the time. This is the day. The whole city is stirred up. All across the city, they're asking, who is this? Who is this? So Jesus knows the perfect timing and the perfect way, fulfilling the scripture. And I'm praying right now, I'm praying all across Houston today as people are thinking about going to church and they've showed up at church, they're gonna do Easter egg hunts, they're gonna be with their family, they're gonna be with their friends. I hope people are going, who is this? Who is this one? I wanna know him better. Some of us have known Jesus for a while, but you know what? There is more to come of who he is in you. I pray Listen, if you're bored in your spiritual journey, you signed up for the wrong Christianity. Because there is nothing boring about following Christ. Following Christ, I mean, it's a head scratcher, right? Because you go, Lord, it says in your word this, this, and this, but like you're coming back soon. Lord, my definition of soon and your definition of soon, they don't, they don't fit. Or like, you know, he's coming to heal, save, deliver, and encourage. And you see God moving. He's healing people. He's saving people. He's delivering them from darkness and demons. He's breaking through discouragement and oppression in people's lives. And, and we're going, sometimes I'm praying for people and I'm so sick. You know, I can't even hardly stand or pray. And, and they're getting healed. And I'm wanting to go, I live at 15307 Stampede Pass Drive, right? It's a mystery, isn't it? He uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. You know, we would rather have it a different way, right? We would rather have everything going just right for us so we could be a poster child for this is the Christian life. You'll never have a problem. You'll never run into really difficult people, especially in the church. You'll never run into those people. You know, we, we, we want to say, you know, man, when you follow Jesus... There's no more troubles. But what did Jesus himself say to us? In this world, I've got a person named Trouble for you. <laughs> you know their name, right? Or I've got that car for you that was a gift. And now that thing is afflicted by the enemy, right? You know, I think we've made disciples of the church because we've not made disciples of Jesus who, when they faced difficulty, trials, and troubles, they just decided to praise God that they were worthy to suffer for him. That's just not who we are, right? None of us like to suffer. None of us. And I want to tell you, if there's sickness in your body, I want to invite you to keep on getting prayer, keep on seeing doctors, and, and let's ask God to heal. Amen? And let's don't do that just one time. 
Let's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Let's be a people who just take God at his word. And then like Paul, if the doctor tells you I can't do anything for you, then you stop asking, right? Or if God says, you know, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, so let's not ask about this thing anymore. But I want you to know Paul was asking about a lot of things, right? So he stopped asking about that. So even if, even if you don't see the answer and the breakthrough the way you want to, God says, I'm going to give you a grace that's sufficient. Now, where does that grace come from? Well, it's a package delivered by Amazon that just shows up at your door, and then you don't ever have any more problems because it's going to strengthen you. It comes from intimacy with God, right? It comes from connection to the living God. This one that, see, the best gift I get is a person. The living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. I get a person. I don't just get a blessing. I don't just get a a little bit. I get to do life with God. And then I get to do life with wonderful people also. I get to do life connected to God and connected with others. Oh, Calvary, friends online, I I want you to know we are so fortunate to be alive at this time in history, so fortunate to make a journey. You know, and and I've talked about this with some of my friends. You know, getting old, that is not for sissies. You know, because when I look in the mirror, you know, I just recently celebrated a birthday, and I look in the mirror, and the person in the mirror is not who I am. There was, that person was stolen. There was a body exchange or something. I'll pay you after the service, Keith. That's great. But I want you to know, nothing compares to making a journey together with the Lord and with others who can pick you up and pray for you. We weren't meant to do life isolated and alone. Do you know what you call an isolated being on the the Serengeti in Africa? You call it lunch. And so don't choose to be isolated. Don't choose to be isolated. Ask for help. Ask for prayer. Let us go to God together. Let us hold each other up. You hold me up, I'll hold you up. When you're down, we'll, we'll do that thing, right? So not only is the resurrection of Jesus the biggest day for Christians in the cal- calendar year, the resurrection of Christ is the defining moment in human history. And so after having truly assumed human nature, I was reading this, this commentator and he said, after having truly assumed human nature and submitted to an agonizing and shameful public death, The eternal Son of God was truly raised from the dead in his glorified physical body, no longer subject to decay and death. His resurrection validates his identity as the divine Son of God, demonstrates his irrevocable victory over death and the grave, and secures both the present salvation and the future physical resurrection of all believers. So at this time in in history, 
the, the Jewish people actually had an expectation, most of them, not the Sadducees, but most of them had an expectation that there was going to be a resurrection of the dead. Daniel chapter 12 talks about that, that there's a resurrection of the dead, some to life with God and others to eternal separation from God. So they've got this expectation that everyone is going to be resurrected at the end, and it's going to be all at once. It just didn't even cross their mind that there would be one who would be resurrected, that that could happen outside of that end resurrection. And we're talking about resurrection, by the way, where not like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, but his physical body wore out and he died later, right? We're talking about a new body. We're talking about a new life. They had this idea. And so Martha, in John chapter 11, when Jesus comes there and he's sent by the Father and he's sent on the divine time schedule, which means it's four days after Lazarus had died, he's there to raise him from the dead. And he, and he looks at Martha and Martha says, man, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And what did Jesus say? He said, but I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. Do you believe this? And so she had been consoled by the people who were promising her, you know, your brother's going to be resurrected at the end. And so she was thinking about that. But Jesus looked at her with those eyes of fiery passion. He looked at her and he said, I'm not talking about that end. I'm talking about right now. I, the person in front of you, I am the resurrection I am the life. And so <clears throat> Jesus actually, the Old Testament talks about the resurrection of Christ. It's actually one of the central proclamations of the Old Testament. In addition to the Old Testament, Jesus over and over again said he prophesied that he was going to experience suffering, death, burial, and resurrection. He told the disciples over and over again, but you know, you've had friends and people tell you something over and over again, but you weren't ready to hear it. You didn't have the capacity to hear it. You didn't have the capacity to process it because you had a different expectation. So it was for the disciples. So even when they find the tomb empty, they're just not plugging in to he has risen. So someone's taken the body, someone's done something with it. You know, what's going on? Those, those, guy, that, those two people on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus is talking to them, he actually goes through all the scripture and shows him that the resurrection of the Christ was a central theme throughout the scripture. So resurrection is talked about, but that just wasn't on their radar. That wasn't in their expectation. So the New Testament insists that, that Christ's resurrection does something amazing, strong everlasting consequences. It validates Christ's claim to be the Son of God. It validates his teaching as being from God. This resurrection event also stands as the victory of Christ over death and over the grave, and it secures our salvation in God. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the first fruits of what God is going to do for all believers who have been buried with him and baptized in baptism, raised with him, and then will appear with him in glory because we will be made like him. The resurrection of Jesus is a big deal. It's a big deal for us. And so Paul tells us, as a matter of fact, it's interesting, Paul tells us that 
without the reality of the resurrection, our salvation is nothing but a sham. The proclamation of the gospel is utterly pointless. Christians are to be pitied. But as Paul reassures us, Christ has been raised from the dead. And so that guarantees, because of our union with Christ, that guarantees a future resurrection of our physical bodies. By the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says that for a believer to be absent from the body is to be immediately present with the Lord. Now, I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to have a spiritual body. We're not sure what that body is, but it's a body. But the body that Jesus had could eat food. The body that Jesus had, they could touch, they could feel. But his body was different. He could show up in locked rooms without using a door. Jesus could be here or there. And so there is something glorious, the way we were meant to be, the way we were supposed to be when God created us, with amazing powers of the, of the kingdom of God in the age to come. The early church actually testified to this connection between the Lord's empty tomb and our own with the final lines of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and in life everlasting. And so that's our belief. And so as we talk about Easter today, as I was praying for us, I had this really meaningful message that, that you've been paying attention to and you've been plugging into. And you know, what I felt was I felt something a little different. I felt like God had a plan for us this morning. So would you turn in your Bibles to John eleven twenty one? We're going to read the story of Martha and Jesus. Again, Lazarus, Martha's brother, and she also has a sister, Mary. Lazarus has died. And the scripture says that Jesus delayed as he was following the will of the Father. And we're picking up the story, John eleven twenty one. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The impression that I got, think, picture yourself at that setting, will you? Picture Jesus looking at Martha eye to eye, face to face. Would you picture that with me? He's looking at her, and the scripture tells us that he has eyes aflame with fire. And we're going, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to get burned up with judgment. No, it's eyes fiery aflame with love for you passion. He burns with passion for you. Can you imagine him looking at, at Martha eye to eye? And he looks at her, and he's looking at her, and his eyes are penetrating her being. He's gazing, and they are on fire with love for her, and he's looking at her, and he looks at her, and he says, I am I am the resurrection and the life. And he's got this his face is lit up with his glory and his beauty and his, his face just shone as he's looking. And he, I am 
the resurrection and the life. It's not just what happens at the end. I am. And as he looks at her face to face, eyes to eyes, he looks at her and he says, do you believe this? Do you believe? And we know the word believe in the, the scripture is not just intellectual assent. I want you to know believing that Jesus is the resurrection of life is more important than acknowledging two plus two equals four. This is about what's really real. And he says, I'm not talking about the resurrection at the end. I'm talking about right now. Do you believe this? And I'm just thinking about all across the world right now this Sunday. People have come to hear a good message. They've come to worship. They've come to be with their family. They've come to do the Easter egg hunts. And I want you to know that God loves you so much. I want you to know right now, he is looking at each of us and he's peering into our lives, not with judgment, not with criticism, not looking at us with a scowl because we somehow shamed him and disappointed him. He's looking at us and he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? Do you believe this? Do you believe in who I am? And so as I was praying for us today, the impression came, there's actually some people that are really good people who are in services like this one here, online and all across the earth. And you know, they're so good that they really don't recognize they need Jesus. They don't know that not only is he the resurrection and the life, he is actually the one who gets to define what's righteous. The Bible says in John chapter 16, it says that the Holy Spirit will come and he's gonna convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment because our foundational sin is that we have not believed in Jesus, which means to receive him, to act in relationship with him, and to walk with him. And then it says, because righteousness, the Holy Spirit's gonna convict us because he is at the right hand of the Father. Do you know what that means? That means that in a culture, in a world that calls good bad and bad good, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father where righteous standards, righteousness, goodness is not reinterpreted. It's not re-explained. He is the standard. And so there really are good people in this world, but the Bible says our goodness is as filthy rags. It, it's, it's really, it's fallen a little short of the goodness of our God. Not so that we would be condemned, but so that we would have a real picture of where we are. Without Jesus, without Jesus, I, I don't know what real righteousness is. I don't know what right thinking, right living, right believing really are, because all of us have messed up our lives without him, right? Well, and even followers of Jesus today, he tells us how to clean up our lives because we make messes because we fall short of his glory, right? So we confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness because we fall short. But he imparts to us newness. And, and it's not that I'm a better person than anybody else, but there are really good people that I, 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 just, I just got the impression the Lord's looking at really good people today and saying, I really love you. I really love you, and I am your righteousness. I am your life. 
You've been looking in all the wrong places. You might even be trusting in you, but I want you to know you can trust me. Will you let me? Then there's some people who say, I'm, I'm so far gone. I'm so bad. I, I, I'm hopeless. I'm beyond help. Jesus looks at that person and, and he says, well, listen, the apostle Paul wrote and said he's the worst sinner that's ever lived. And so you can't have that title. You, you can't claim that one. He's looking at you going, listen, if I can take a whole people out of slavery in Egypt and get them through the Red Sea and get them, it, it took 40 years because they were stubborn, but I got them into the promised land. Do you really think you're a big deal? Do you really think you're so messed up that he can't get you where he needs you to be with his leadership and his lordship? What do you think? And, and I'm going, that's kind of arrogant, right? That I'm so bad, I'm so broken. Listen, if you want to read about brokenness, just read the story of God's people throughout history. We keep making a mess of things, don't we? But the Lord still gets us where he wants us to be. So the good news is, the good news is, I need Jesus even if I've had the advantage of being a relatively good person. Relative to what? And Jesus can make me better. And then if I'm really thinking and, and really I am bad and I know it, the Lord says, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my righteousness, my standard. He does that for both the good and the bad, right? So I just, I just pictured on Easter Sunday people realizing Jesus is looking them right in the eye and he's telling them how much he loves them. And he's trying to get their attention, not with anger, not with judgment, but he's saying, I really like you. I really love you. I gave myself for you. I want you to know me. I want to have a relationship with you. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus and your relationship has grown cold, he's not writing, written you off. He's not given up on you. Jesus keeps on coming. He keeps on coming, right? You know the story of the prodigal son. The father kept looking, kept looking, kept looking, kept looking for the return of that prodigal son, for him to come to his senses and just start back, and then he ran out to meet him. That was undignified in that culture to run to meet, right? Then there's the story of the older brother who had everything together, and the older brother was in as much trouble as the younger brother, right? Because he defined what was right. And the father treated them the same with love and unconditional love. And even in the, the older brother saying, you know, the younger brother really deserves a two by four for how he's messed up your inheritance and how he's messed up your testimony, your life. And he calls into question the discipline of the father. I want you to know God loves you today. God loves you today. So wherever you are, I pray whether you're in this room, whether you're online, I pray you feel. I don't want you to just hear it in the head. I'm gonna pray for us to feel the love of God. So if you know Jesus, this is a great day to just celebrate what he's done in your life. If you've walked away from him and you've, you've just gone your own way, you got, you know, sheep do that. They just do their own thing. He loves you so much, he's inviting you to get back into relationship with him. If you've never known Jesus, this is the day to say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I need you. 
I acknowledge that you're the resurrected king of glory. I recognize that you paid a debt I could never pay. I recognize that you you came after me because I'm created in the image of God and you want me to be a part of the eternal family of God. I recognize that you set up a divine appointment for me today. Just say yes to him. Just say, Lord Jesus, with the help of your Holy Spirit, I want to follow you from this day forward. I want to walk with you. Now I'm going to need your help. I confess I've messed it up. I need your help. Amen? Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.